Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, digital editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Later in the show, we'll speak with Carol Passioni, president of the Mark D. Passioni Foundation, about how her organization is carrying on the legacy of her husband, a nationally recognized innovator in ministering to young members of the Catholic Church. But first, Steve Eberly, director of the Ignatian Volunteer Corps in Baltimore, tells us about how his group provides volunteer opportunities for seniors who are retired or semi-retired. Steve Eberly, thanks for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Sure thing. Could you tell us a little bit about how the Ignatian Volunteer Corps got started? What was the origin? Yeah, so we are uh, embarking on our 25th year, So, and we were founded right here in Baltimore. Uh, so 25 years ago, two uh, Jesuit priests, Father Jim Conroy and Father Charlie Costello, put their heads together um, to figure out a way to craft a program that uh, invites uh, retirees into uh, practical service uh, with people who are poor, um, while also providing them with a, a spiritual framework to process and reflect on that experience. They were working with faculty and staff uh, in Jesuit higher education and secondary education, as well as parents of Jesuit seminarians who were coming on retreats who were learning about Ignatian spirituality. And they, they would go on a retreat and they'd say, boy, this was, this was really great. How come there's nothing like this out there for us all the time? And so... Um, this uh, Ignatian Volunteer Corps marries the, the service component of um, Jesuit education along with the spirituality of uh, the uh, Ignatian spiritual exercises. And this is geared toward retirees, is that right? Yeah, 50 and up. Um, uh, we, uh, we recruit uh, baby boomers and uh, give them service opportunities. And what kind of service do they do? It is, uh, it's pretty broad. Uh, everything from direct service to capacity building to, uh, to advocacy. Uh, our volunteers work one or two days a week with charities and nonprofits. Just as some examples, uh, we have a, a volunteer named Bernadette who came out of the career development office in um, community college, in the community college system, and she's working at Sarah's House, a Catholic Charities placement, um, working with women there uh, who are looking for jobs. She's helping them uh, spruce up their resumes, uh, work on interview skills, doing mock interviews, helping them uh, dust off their soft skills. We have a fellow named Paul who's also at a Catholic Charities placement. He uh, retired from um, years of working in the legal field and now he's at St. Elizabeth's nursing home uh, in the pastoral care office doing friendly visits and uh, helping people get to daily mass and uh, working with the, the residents there in the, uh, with dementia. But then we've got uh, Beth, who retired from the Maryland uh, Department of State, uh, and she had uh, all sorts of experience in international affairs. And she's working at Catholic Relief Services, helping them develop partnerships between Catholic universities and colleges here in the United States and universities and colleges in developing nations abroad to connect faculty members uh, on research projects, to create 
uh, service uh, immersion programs for students. So she's doing a lot of uh, capacity building there. And then I think of Martha, who is working uh, at GEDCO in advocacy. She just recently testified before uh, the, the state legislature in Annapolis on energy issues, uh, protecting seniors from uh, energy scams. You know, those things that wind up on your electric bill right. that you didn't really sign up for <laughs> and now you're paying for. So she's doing a lot of advocacy in those areas. And it's a one-year commitment? Is that how it works? Or it's a one-year commitment. It's actually uh, 10 months from September to June. We follow the academic cycle and the volunteers have the opportunity to renew their commitment year after year. When it was initially founded, was it strictly just in Baltimore? And how has it grown from there? Yeah, it started right here in Baltimore. Uh, and the, the Baltimore region encompassed, uh, you know, D.C., Metro, Maryland. And uh, as we grew, uh, you know, uh, Northern Virginia joined the ranks, then Philadelphia joined the ranks, then Boston. And uh, now we're in uh, over 22 markets in the United States. We have over 600 volunteers. And uh, right here in Baltimore, we have about 40 volunteers. And that's up a lot from, what, five or six years ago? I, I just saw the paperwork yesterday. In 2011, we had seven volunteers. Wow. So we're growing. Why is it so popular? What makes this program so special? You know, I think uh, there's a, a couple different answers there. One is demographics. Uh, 10,000 Americans uh, turn retirement age every day. Baby boomers, uh, you know, sometimes they get a bad rap, but baby boomers are the service generation. Uh, these are the folks who founded the Peace Corps, who founded the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, VISTA. These are the people who invented service learning. And so uh, I think baby boomers are retiring and they're asking themselves, what happens next? Uh, they want to use their skills, they want to build community, uh, and they want to grow in their faith. IBC offers all of those things. So I think that has been, uh, that's been a real gift. Uh, the other thing is people who come to IBC stay in IBC because of our spiritual formation program. We support our volunteers through monthly faith sharing meetings, um, occasional retreats, uh, and opportunities for one-on-one -on -one spiritual direction. Social ministry can be hard, and so uh, having a place where people can come together and uh, share their experiences and pray about those experiences and support each other really keeps them going. In what ways do you try to educate your volunteers on Ignatian values and Ignatian spirituality? The, the quick line on that is, uh, you know, St. Ignatius talked about finding God in all things. You know, it's easy to find God in a rainbow or find God in, in someone you love. It can be harder to find God in a trash-strewn alley or, or to find God in, in a challenging interpersonal moment. But the first principle and foundation of Ignatian spirituality says that God created the world and everything in it for us so that we could get to know God better. So everything we see, everything we touch, every person with whom we interact, there's a moment in there where, where God is trying to teach us more about who God is. And so in our spiritual formation team meetings, uh, we ask the volunteers, you know, where are you finding God in your service? Uh, where are you struggling to find God? We hope that through uh, spiritual direction, if they, if they choose to participate in that, they can work with their director to maybe see some patterns. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's always trying to get our attention, and sometimes we just don't see it. And you sit down with a spiritual director, and they say, you know, uh, you've mentioned this three or four times. I'm starting to see a pattern here. So that's where we're, we're trying to help the volunteers be more mindful um, and just to see where, 
where God is calling them. Do you do anything with the Jesuit spiritual exercises? We do. We uh, so. We base our program off of Ignatian spirituality. We are really lucky to be uh, here in Baltimore uh, and have partners like Loyola University, Loyola Blakefield, St. Ignatius Parish, St. Alphonsus Rodriguez Parish uh, in Woodstock. They offer um, uh, retreats. They also offer um, opportunities for the 19th annotation um, and even the 18th annotation of the spiritual uh, exercises, um, which is kind of like the beginner version. And so we, uh, we can refer people into those groups. We uh, have spiritual directors working with the volunteers on their own personal journeys. For our program, we, uh, we focus on kind of a different theme every year. This year, our theme is Ignatian spirituality, which is pretty easy for us. Uh, next year, we'll be focusing on social justice. Uh, and specifically, we've targeted the, the first principle of Catholic social teaching, uh, the life and, and dignity of the human being, uh, the human person. We're using that as a jumping off point for the whole year. Uh, and so uh, in our opening retreat, we'll explore what dignity means. And in uh, our September monthly meeting, we may uh, look at uh, environmental justice through the lens of human dignity. Uh, in October, we might look at workers' rights through the lens of human dignity, racial justice through the lens of human dignity. Um, so we'll use that as our, our orientation and, uh, and build from there. Do you have mostly Catholics who volunteer, or do you have non-Catholics as well? As we, have, we have we we are mostly Catholic, just because uh, Catholics know about Ignatian spirituality, I think, more than others. We are not 100% Catholic in Baltimore, uh, and certainly not 100% Catholic across the, the country. In Baltimore, uh, our spiritual formation team, who's the crew who helps us plan our monthly meetings, um, actually, one of our, our members is uh, an ordained Presbyterian uh, minister, and uh, he's incredibly helpful in um, opening up our group and uh, making sure we're accessible to everyone. We have about 30 seconds left. How can someone learn more about the Ignatian Volunteer Corps? We have a number of information sessions coming up. Uh, our webpage, uh, ivcusa.org Baltimore, is a great place to learn about more information. Steve Eberly, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Absolutely. Thank you. Steve Eberly is the director of the Ignatian Volunteer Corps in Baltimore. When we come back from a break, we'll speak with Carol Passioni, president of the Mark D. Passioni Foundation. I'm George Matisek, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The coaches and presidents from Calvert Hall College High School and Loyola Blakefield echoed the point. The Turkey Bowl is about more than just football. While the Thanksgiving Day game is still nearly eight months off, the hoopla began with a media conference led by students April 1st. The students who emceed the event, as well as the men who founded the Baltimore-based company that created the new brand, can attest to the game being just as much about community as it is about sports. None of the four made their mark in athletics, but all contribute to the sense of community in one of the state's most enduring sports traditions. The preparation for the Centennial Game will include a commemorative book and an October 11th social at Martins Valley Mansion. The game itself, with its traditional 10 a.m. kickoff, will be played November 28th. Loyola leads the series 49-42-8, but Calvert Hall has won the last five meetings. To read more on this story, and many more, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Emily Rosenthal. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? 
read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. Mark Passioni was a longtime head of the Archdiocese of Baltimore's Division of Youth and Young Adult Ministry, who was nationally known for supporting and welcoming young people in the church. He was instrumental in the planning of World Youth Day in Denver in 1993 and the visit of Pope John Paul II to Baltimore in 1995. After his sudden death in December 2014, a foundation was formed to continue his legacy. Mark's wife, Carol Passioni, a former pastoral life director at St. Pius X in Rogers Forge, serves as the foundation's president. She joined us by phone. Carol Passioni, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. What was the goal in establishing the Passioni Foundation? What's the mission for the foundation? After Mark died in December of 2014, one of the people who had come through his youth ministry program at St. Margaret in Bel Air, now a young, a young adult, a middle-aged adult actually, approached me about forming a foundation in Mark's honor to continue his legacy in youth ministry. And it came together relatively quickly. We actually launched in the full foundation in August of 2015. The goal really was to support youth ministry efforts, not only locally here in Baltimore, but across the nation. Mark was nationally known had done work across the country and actually even in other countries in youth ministry. So we wanted to make sure that we honored what he had done but knew that there was a need not only in the local church but, again, across our nation for good youth ministry and for support of young people and for those who minister with them. The goal was, the mission was, to give support to young people and the adults that minister with them, particularly in the areas of faith development, and leadership development, so to enrich young people's spirituality 
and to show them how they could be leaders in the church, how they could be leaders in their community, and then to support those who were working with them because we knew that too often, because of the busyness of schedules and demands on their ministry, that they sometimes didn't get the support or the education sometimes or the professional development that would improve their skills and also make them more effective ministers, but also make them people who were more disciples and leaders of young people, leading them to Jesus. Um, we set as goals to support the Pinkert, found, the Pinkert Scholars at the um, Ecumenical Institute here in Baltimore. Mark had worked with Pat Lenore to found that program. We also made um, a concerted effort to work with the National Foundation for Catholic Youth Ministry. Every year they either sponsor a national conference for young people or a national conference for those who minister with young people. We've given them funding every year for the past four years for whatever conference they were initiating for that year. So those two things we've done since the inception. We also um, helped two young people, two young adults, go to World Youth Day a few years ago. They were local and they, two, they were actually sisters and they were unable to fund it on their own over very close to Mark and had even talked to him about things they could do to to get themselves to World Youth Day. And so we, we helped them get there. Those goals we've met and we continue to we continue to fund Pinkert Scholars, we continue to fund the National Federation um, on a on an annual basis so that we can see those programs continue to um, help young people and adults develop in the area of youth ministry, in their faith in their leadership. And then we launched a grant program this past summer in um, 2018. Our first round of grants were awarded in December of 2018. How many grants roughly in total have you, have been awarded? We awarded four for the total of about $8,000. Our goal is to award $15,000 annually, and we've, um, we're now in our second round, so we will have those grants reviewed sometime in May and awards made by the, by the end of June. Our first four grants, we are very, very happy with the breadth of what we received and the diversity of projects that various organizations wanted to undertake. One of the things we really were hoping to see and we were quite pleased to see was some real creativity and innovation. Mark Mark could make anything happen out of nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we just wanted to see what, what creativity could happen and try to really help that go forward. So locally we were able to help um, Crystal Ray High School, um, our Jesuit high school here in Baltimore, fund um, retreat process for their peer ministers. Uh, we thought uh, that was just checked all the boxes for what we were hoping to see as far as the mission of, of a foundation and creativity and something that would directly affect young people in their spiritual development and also in their leadership development. We also gave money to uh, St. Gabriel the Archangel Parish in Louisville, Kentucky. They requested grant money for materials for small groups for their middle school program. They were seeing that their large groups just weren't drawing young people, so they were asking for funding to help them develop small group processes a little bit more intense and a little bit more personal for their young people, and we were very happy to see that. Our third grant this past and the first round went to the, the Diocese of Toledo, 
they were asking for funding to develop more ministers in their diocese to work with their Hispanic community. Um, I believe that about 13% of their population in their diocese is Hispanic, and they really were trying to do some direct outreach to that population. And again, we thought that that was a, a very good use of the funding from, from the Passione Foundation. And the other grant actually went to, to fund a digital platform for, from USDCB, the Bishops' Conference, for a certification process for lay ecclesial ministers. We were able to, to give some funding to that, thinking, again, there's a wide-reaching way of, re, of helping those involved in ministry, lay ecclesial ministers, develop their skills further, get some more education, maybe network with other youth ministers or other lay ecclesial ministers. So we just thought that, again, that was really something that, that Mark would have thought was just a terrific thing to do for lay ecclesial ministers, and it, it met the goals that we had set for the, for the foundation. The fact that we got a school, a parish, a diocese, and a national group we thought was just excellent for our first time out of the, out of the gate. So we're hoping that we continue to have that kind of diversity of request and that we're able to do even more in the future um, with this grant process. We really had set the grant process up to, to happen in year five. It happened in year three, and we can only say that's because of the tremendous work of our board and the committees and the great generosity of people across the country to the foundation that we were able to have the funding to be able to feel confident that we could launch and continue to fund, you know, in multiple years for the needs that people would bring to us and the requests that they would bring from their grants. And you've also done some fundraising. I understand you have a, a 5K coming up soon. We do have a 5K um, trail run. This would be the second annual. We call it On Your Mark. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Dijon Vineyards in Hydes, Maryland, has been very gracious to us in letting us use their property to run on. We did our first one last year, and our second one is scheduled for April the 13th. At we, our start time is 10 o'clock in the morning, and it is a 5K trail run with a one-mile walk. Um, we also have a kids' run, so we're hoping that families can participate, little ones and big ones, and Young and old can all all invited, and anybody over 21 is invited to have complimentary wine tasting after the okay. wine. Because we're at a vineyard, and Mark loved wine, so we thought it was just the perfect combination of, of things to do, again, to raise funds, raise awareness for the foundation, and to give people an opportunity to gather and share some fellowship together. We were very successful last year, and we're hoping to be even more so this year, but again, just because of the great generosity of local folks and people across the country and the, the tremendous work of the board makes these events happen. As you well know, this is not a one-person or two-person. can't make it happen with just a few. You need, you need a, a good group of folks who will continue to work and work hard, and, and we've just been very, very blessed that way to, to have those folks help us. As Mark's wife for so many years, your heart must be really happy to see his legacy go on in such a positive way. What are your What are your hopes for the foundation? Well, um, I miss Mark every day, but it is gratifying and it is heartwarming to see that people love him and still care that the good work that he did continues. We love to see this, you know, the money come in and the grants go out. I guess that's the easiest way to say it for years and years to come. We jokingly say we've got money in the bank and we want to spend it. And where can people go to get more information about the foundation? Real easy. 
passionifoundation.com. You can click our website and visit that. Um, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Please contact us and join us for the run. Come and see what we're doing at the foundation. Certainly, if you can make a donation to us, we'd love to have that also. But uh, we really want people to be aware of what we're trying to do, and, and maybe they know of someone that we could be of assistance to, or maybe they themselves want to apply for a grant or con- contact us about some other way we might be able to make this mission and this legacy go forward. Carol Passioni, thank you so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Rich, thank you very much for the opportunity, and I appreciate what the Catholic Review continues to do to support the Foundation. Thank you very much. Our guest this segment has been Carol Passioni, president of the Mark D. Passioni Foundation. I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening to Catholic Baltimore. The Santo Mare Wind Orchestra brings the stirring sounds of France to the Baltimore Basilica, Friday, April 12th at 7 p.m. The concert celebrates 300 years of French and American cooperation and features an award-winning 70-piece orchestra from a town in northern France where historic Marylanders, including Archbishop John Carroll, attended the school. Sponsored in part by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and the Santo Mare Foundation for Transatlantic Values. Free admission. For more info, visit archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.